Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to put a big old smile on my face, all you gotta do is hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Rebel Kittens Cry. Not allowed to leave the table till the plate is empty? Okay. Was reminded of this when visiting family recently and realized it was my introduction to malicious compliance. Not particularly exciting, but was a result of being a smart-ass little crap as a kid. Dad had a rule of, you couldn't leave the table if you still had food on your plate. Didn't matter if you didn't like it. We don't waste food in this house. Yay for the resulting weight issues and disordered eating I still have issues with in my 30s. Well, one time, there was something I detested on the plate, and there was just no way I could stomach choking it down. So I asked if I could have a pass, something that was rarely allowed for truly hated food. Nope. I'd annoyed him earlier, so now I had to follow the rules. I happened to know that this was a food Dad also didn't like, and he simply hadn't served himself any when dishing up dinner, but was something Mum and at least one brother liked, hence the existence of it around the meal. Mum had simply forgotten I didn't like it or muddled plate serving, which is why I had any. So I stood up, reached over, and scraped my plate onto his. There, my plate's empty, and left. Mum stood up for me saying that I followed the rule, and that nowhere had my dad specified that the food had to be eaten. Dad stopped forcing us to eat anything we didn't like after that, but was still a pain over not wasting food, so we had to offer unliked items around the table, or, if safe, give it to the dog. He was a man who got change from a penny. Do you agree with the idea that you should not waste any food that's served? If you had kids or do have kids, and you serve them some food and... They either refused to eat a certain type of food or flat out didn't finish it. Would your mindset be to try to get them to eat it or try to save it? Or would you prefer to just let it go and toss it? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Dependent Dependent 76 You said not to throw clothes. This is actually a story of my daughter, now 27-year-old female's, malicious compliance. When she was just shy of two years old, her father and I were driving to see her grandparents. This was appropriately a one-hour drive with her strapped into a car seat in the back of my very tiny Geo Metro. It didn't have air conditioning, so the windows were down. This will be relevant later. We had stopped at the local McDonald's for lunch. I was up front munching on my nuggets and fries and she was in the back, supposedly devouring her Happy Meal. She apparently decided her shoes were bothering her and I'm suddenly hit in the arm with a tiny sneaker. I fuss at daughter and tell her not to throw her shoes. She politely tells me, Okay, mommy. And we go back both to eating. Next thing I know, a tiny little sock lands in my lap. I begin to fuss. Daughter, didn't I tell you not to throw stuff? Her toddler response, No, mommy. You said no throw shoes. I throw socks. I face palmed and sternly told her, Daughter, do not throw any piece of clothing. The next thing I see is a french fry flying out the window. Before I could even comment, she says, Not clothes, mommy. At that point, all her father and I could do was laugh. She had complied 100% with the rules. And it was also the first time I learned to close all technical loopholes with her. But I'm getting the last laugh as I watch my grandson pull the same little stunts. 
When they get to about two or three, what I've heard is you're going to have your hands full, and the real wise ones, they're going to give you a lot of loophole trouble. It might not always be completely soundproof loopholes, but they'll try and find any loophole they can to really what seems to be just annoy you as much as they can. But you gotta admit, it's pretty adorable. Our next story is by Poncho Muffin. Don't bother you with quality control emails anymore? Have fun refunding a 10,000 order? I work for an embroidery company that embroiders logos onto uniform shirts. There's this one particular shirt we get all the time that has a diagonal closure. So the left side of the chest is essentially covered by a huge flap coming from the right side. There is such little room on the left side that any logo bigger than an inch looks like it's going into the person's armpit. After a few complaints, we made it policy to only allow that shirt to put logos on the right. A big company we work with likes to make massive orders with generalized embroidery placement, example being 10 different types of garments, all embroidered with a logo on the left chest. Whenever I would see that particular shirt was in the mix, I would reach out to them to let them know we needed to switch the logo to the right side. One difficult manager from that company reached out to their client with my suggestion and got an earful because the client insisted that their logo could only be placed on the left due to company policy. Instead of smoothing it over with her client, this rep took it out on me. She sent me a very aggressive email, stating that we were perfectly capable of embroidering this shirt on the left side because we'd done it in the past. And to stop blowing up her inbox with our suggestions for a better embroidery location, From now on, whatever embroidery location the order requests is final. I saved the email and got my boss's blessing to immediately stop all quality control emails for this company per manager. One day, a huge order comes in. All diagonal closer shirts, all left side embroidery. I maliciously complied and sent the order on its way with no hassle to the manager. A week later, an executive from that company emails me horrified. He forwarded photos of the client's shirts, all with the logos in the armpits. He said they were having to refund the client over 10000 and that the client was in an uproar, never wanting to order shirts from them again. Why did we not tell them this was a bad location for the embroidery? I didn't say a word, simply forwarded the email the manager sent me, telling me verbatim that I was to no longer waste the company's time making useless suggestions for those shirts. It was confirmed they had to do a big fat refund and I did not see a reorder, so I suspect the client dismissed them as a vendor. Was a huge client? Think a very swanky hotel brand? We usually don't get emails from executives, so I think they were really hoping for big bucks with these guys. Oh well. As far as manager goes, I suspect she was demoted. They sent us a very polite, groveling email, introducing a new manager and requesting that we resume our quality control, emphasizing that we know best. This is by far and away one of those situations where you have experienced employees who know how things have gone, and while you can technically do the order the way they're asking, you should listen to your experienced employees' feedback on why that's a terrible idea. They obviously didn't care too much about quality and safety, maybe because they do a lot of single or very small run items. But as soon as that big order hit, all of a sudden they realized how awful it was to advise their experienced employees to not use their experience. This next story is by Love the Yankees, the Time Study Man. This is a story my great-grandfather used to tell. He worked on the railroad for more than 60 years. He started out laying rails and ended up as a conductor on a commuter line. Everyone called him Pop. 
The railroad hired a time study man to improve efficiency. He would run around with a stopwatch and clipboard, making life miserable for the train crews. He would issue general orders that detailed the proper way to their jobs, from shoveling coal to blowing the whistle to punching tickets. Anyone who failed to follow a general order could have their pay docked. Passenger safety was very important. Despite the warning signs, passengers would get off a train and walk across the tracks instead of using the pedestrian underpass, and sometimes get smacked by a train coming in the other direction. Obviously, these accidents caused further delays and additional work for the crews, which cut into profits. The passengers didn't like it much either. To prevent this, the timetable never had two trains in a station at the same time. Of course, there were the inevitable delays and a train going in one direction would pull in before the other train had left. The time study man came up with a brilliant solution. He issued a general order to all conductors that said, when two trains are in the station at the same time, neither shall move until the other has left. When the conductors asked for clarification, they were told to shut up and obey. It took about a week until there was a delay. Pop's westbound train was just about to leave a station when the eastbound train pulled in. He told the engineer to sit tight. Meanwhile, the conductor on the other train saw Pop's train and told his engineer to stop. As the minutes ticked by with passengers on both trains getting rather annoyed, the station master sent a message to the dispatcher that the line in both directions was blocked. Pretty soon, trains from one end of the line to the other were stopped. That prompted a message from the dispatcher demanding an explanation. Pops in to reply that he and the other conductor were just following the new general order. The dispatcher ordered them to get their trains moving, and that was the end of the time study man. On the surface, I kind of understand the time study man. Somebody to go through and walk through things and make sure things are being done optimally. Now, the way the time study man executes things, though, that left a lot of room to be desired. They should just be making sure things are running fairly optimally. Maybe make some suggestions to improve things, but it sounds like this time study man was going into it with the mindset of trying to reinvent the wheel. They really didn't need to save the day. This next story is by Risky78. Account for my time at work? No problem. A long time ago, I worked at a poorly managed boutique architectural firm as a drafter. My job included production drawings for home renovations. When I began working there, a coworker instructed me about accounting for my time using a daily handwritten form listing how long I worked on a project. Four hours on Project X, lunch, two hours on Project X, two hours on Project Y, done for the day. We were supposed to turn them in at the end of the week. About six months later, I was not enjoying my time there and it was pretty evident, but I continued doing my job to the best of my abilities. But the owner decided that I was obviously not working hard enough since I was spending too much time on these projects without completing them. She absentmindedly did not account for the numerous revisions she continuously made, which would often redo work I had just completed. One day, she pulled me into her office and asked me to be more specific on my timesheets to make sure I was not slacking off. She wanted to know what I was working on throughout the day as working on Project X was no longer sufficiently detailing what I did all day. I explained that this is what I was instructed to do, and there didn't appear to be a problem with it until now. I also confirmed that this was a request specifically for me only, 
Co-workers continued to account for their time as normal. No problem. I decided to break up my workday into smaller increments of time to comply with her request. I also made sure I no longer started early or stayed late off the clock. Here's how my timesheet started to look like. 8am to 8.06am, point one hours, prepare for the day by starting this timesheet, booting up my workstation, and greeting co-workers. 8.06am to 8.12am, point one hours, read email about Project X revisions, updated timesheet. 8.12am to 8.18am, point one hours, continue reading email about Project X revisions, updated timesheet. 8.18am to 8.24am, point one hours, begin working on 3.x sheet title for Project X based on revisions provided via email. Updated timesheet, 8.24 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., point one hours, continue working on sheet 3.x sheet title for Project X based on revisions provided via email. Updated timesheet. Yes, I was accounting for my work in real time in six minute intervals. Each entry was carefully handwritten with as much detail as possible. I wanted to make sure she was fully appraised of my work. I made sure to note whenever I received a new revision and whatnot. The entries became longer and longer as I had to specify what I was doing, and it took time to update timesheet for each interval. I had a few entries that contained the 6 minute interval with a description of, finished updating previous timesheet entry since the previous description was so detailed. At the end of the week, I made copies of my timesheets and turned in a booklet of pages stapled for each day and clipped together. I also turned in my two-week notice. For my last weeks, I continued to comply but toned it down a notch by accounting for each six-minute interval but making the description entries more general and using a lot of ditto marks underneath repetitive entries. I didn't want to kill the bookkeeper as it wasn't her fault. Luckily, I transitioned into the IT field shortly afterwards. Update. I replied to comments with more details about the fallout and my coworkers' reactions as I recalled more info. This happened about 15 years ago and I wrote this post on a whim and as I remembered the events. I'm fairly certain that the bookkeeper billed my time as normal as it was clear when I began and ended working on Project X or Project Y. She just had a lot more pages to sift through for the start and end times. In the grand scheme of things, the project deadlines were shot to heck already, as normal, so I didn't think anything really changed. I have no idea if the boutique firm closed or not, I just don't care. To be quite honest with you, I think nothing could annoy me more than going into work and knowing that most things I do have to be documented either as I'm doing them or at the very end where I have to just take a chunk of time to write down what I did for the day. To me, it feels like some kind of exercise you would see a toddler do at the end of a Barney video where Barney's like, okay kids, what did we do today? Let's recap. What they should be focused on is A, if the work's getting done and B, if the work's getting done well. If that is a concern, Telling me to write down every little thing that I'm doing isn't the ideal solution in my eyes. You should either just provide more training, provide more assistance, or hire somebody that has more experience and can do the job better. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.